Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name is Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And this episode is a real special one because it's all around law. It's all around, you know, what sort of things you need to consider when you start your own business around, you know, the legal aspects of it because it's so important, something that we've never considered on the podcast before because mainly I'm not a lawyer, um, so I don't really, I don't know, doesn't really think about it, but it's so important. And so in this episode, I spoke with Babs Jameson, qualified UK and USA lawyer and CEO of Jameson Law. So if you run a business or are thinking about starting a business and want to know the, le- the essential legal practices that you need to adopt for it, this is definitely the episode for you. We cover what legal items you need to resolve early in your business, covering things like what you need, if you have other co-founders, data, etc. Like there's so many different aspects and we talk about all of them in this episode. Well, not all of them, most of them in this episode how to legally protect yourself around your intellectual property if you're monetizing data and other important aspects. And also to end with some horror stories around what happens if you don't resolve these legal obstacles early on. Spoiler, it can get extremely messy. So yeah, stay to the very end for that. It is quite entertaining. It's probably my favorite bit um, of the episode. It's a little bit scary, but obviously if you follow all of Babs' uh, Babs advice, she is a qualified lawyer, so it, it is legally, you know, fine. But obviously don't listen to me if I say any stuff. You listen to her. She's she's the qualified one, not me. I don't know anything what I'm talking about. No idea. Um, so yeah, it's a really great episode. And I really hope that you enjoy there is so much value in this one, value that we haven't even you know covered on the episode before on the podcast at all. So I really hope you stay to the very end because there is a lot of value in this one for sure. So that brings me to this week's shout out. So in case you don't know, every week I'm giving a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts as a way of saying thank you. Basically saying thank you for all the love. It's been really, really amazing seeing all the lovely reviews come in recently. I can't thank you guys enough. It really means so much to me. So this one goes to Luigi Dinataro, who says, insightful and creative. After listening to one episode, I got hooked to how you, they walk through the learnings of entrepreneurship, a defined source of inspiration. Thank you so much, Luigi, for that lovely comment. It means so much that you're enjoying the episode and you're finding a lot of value in them, which is, you know, the, the, the point around these episodes for sure. And this one's definitely a, a really, really valuable one. So I highly recommend staying at the very end. If you also want to get a shout out in the next episode, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and I'll give you a shout out in the next episode, I promise. Uh, if you're on Android, unlucky you can't leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, but you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, that's where all the episodes are going to get published now, as well as obviously Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those platforms. If you want to see the full video podcast with our lovely little faces, they are on YouTube as well. The link is in my Instagram bio, um, or you can just search The Millennial Entrepreneur on YouTube. It will be there. So yeah, thank you so much for, for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Hey Babs, how are you? Hey, good, thank you. How are you doing? Really good. I'm really, really good to be back on a podcast, because I haven't recorded in, in a bit of time, actually. It feels like a while. It's been about two weeks for me. Um, Given that I've been doing it for like a year now, over a year now, it's been a bit weird that I haven't recorded for a while. So I'm really, really happy to be on a podcast with you. I know we've been talking for a long time about recording an episode. And this is an episode I've been I've been really looking forward to because again, I say this I say this pretty much at the beginning of every episode, but it's something that we haven't actually thought about before. And it's stuff around, you know, the legal side of starting a business. And I know a lot of young people, it's something that 
it's at the back of their minds. They don't really think about yeah. the legal aspect of starting a of starting a business. They're like, oh, it's cool. Like they get excited about the problem. They get excited about what they're, what they're bringing to the market. Yeah. But yeah, so that's why I thought it'd be really good to have you on to kind of, I guess, show the importance of thinking about the legal side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not the sexy or exciting stuff, but it becomes pretty sexy and exciting when you don't do it properly and you've got to deal with an absolute drama on your hands. So it sounds boring, but actually... I feel like if more small business owners and startups just had like a kind of list of stuff that they would they should do, then they would end up in a lot less trouble. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like right now, for, for my new business wing, I've been working through like the like different contracts for different like customers that we want on board, and also for mm-hmm. uh, like internally for our co-founders, like what the structure of the whole like shareholding agreement looks like. And it's such a minefield. Yeah. Like it really is. Like I'm even like I'm struggling yeah. big time with it. So I think it's something that's really important to get some clarity behind. Um, because I mean, firstly, I know a lot of people that started a business with, with co-founders, and they haven't even like done a co-founding share agreement. Like it's just, it's just you know, like yeah. they're, they're friends or whatever. Like there's no contract whatsoever in place. Like you must face that quite a lot, also. Yeah. So I think it'd be really good for you to kind of tell everyone, I guess, before I about like keep talking about like my own legal problems, like with, with starting this new business, it would be good if you kind of give a bit of clarity, like what is it that you do day to day and yeah, basically why, why you're here. <laughs> well, I'm here. Um, well, I'm CEO of a law firm, Jameson Law. Um, so um, based in Scotland, um, you can tell by the accent, the firm is based in Scotland, but we advise clients all across the UK. Um, and actually in New York and California as well, um, we're um, qualified to advise there too. Um, And we specialize in day-to-day legal business requirements for small businesses and startups. So anything from contracts, corporate work like you were mentioning there, GDPR, data protection, brand protection, IP, all your kind of day-to-day stuff um, that, that startups and small business owners really should be kind of aware of and taken account of to reduce their legal risk. The thing is, small business owners don't have less risk than big business owners. They just might be less aware of it um, and probably have less funds to actually deal with it. So there needs to be somewhere out, someone out there to help them. I think we were saying like before, it's something that is very much in the back of the minds of especially like many young people who start a business. It's like they get really like, I guess, you know, massively invested in the problem, massively invested in the solution they're bringing to the market. And also like, it's a lot of fun starting a business, but like they really need to, like what you're saying. And like, I guess what we're going to move on to is the importance of setting, you know, different things out very early on, you know, especially with like different co-founders involved also. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, it might not seem terribly sexy or exciting to think about it, but it will soon become a massive problem if you don't deal with it upfront. I mean, what happens if, you set up business with somebody who feels like your best pal at the time, but you know, they do something, they take money out of the business or they want to go in a different direction in the business than you, or they don't pull their weight um, or they try and take IP out of the business or move on and take clients. I mean, all that needs to be covered in an agreement um, because otherwise you don't really have a leg to stand on. If, if you own a business 50-50, you both have just as many rights as the other person. Um, another side to it is if you don't have that stuff in place and you're looking to attract investment, it can kind of turn investors off um, if they don't think that you've kind of legally got your ducks in a row. 
Yeah, no, extremely important. And I think before we move on to the horror stories that you obviously have heard, I mean, you're kind of <laughs> alluding it, alluding to it there. I think, yeah. like, when you when you do start a business, I think a lot of young people, like, as we said before, is kind of in the back of their minds. But the importance of setting all this thing, all of these things out early, especially if you've got more yeah. more than one person involved, like more not not just a solo founder, for instance. What are yeah. the sort of things that you should be thinking about? What sort of things should you be ironing out very early on before like before you progress to the next stage? I kind of have a little bit of of a list that I run through with small businesses. And, and it's so funny because when I started out, I thought to myself, well, this will just be people who are only in the first kind of six months. But it's not. Sometimes it's people that have been going for three, four or five years, but they haven't necessarily thought of everything on this list. Um, so first things first is obviously making sure you set up the company or whatever it is you're setting up properly um you don't even need to speak to a lawyer about that you should probably speak to your accountant about that um you know if you you know have you have you registered the company correctly on company's house have you um made the appropriate filings have you spoken to hmrc and registered yourself for paying tax all that kind of dull boring stuff um most people do get that stuff right um then you want to think about the next step is registering with the information commissioner's office everyone misses this um it's the ico.org.uk every single business owner in the uk should be registered with the ico every single one um and that is notifying the uk government that you process personal data it's super important it's part of a fundamental gdpr obligation i've never and, heard of that yeah <laughs> i've never heard of that you can be fined for now would you be fined a lot probably not but it's never actually really been tested yet so I wouldn't risk it. Um, I would imagine they would probably find you a good few thousand anyway, and that wouldn't necessarily be great to small businesses. So get registered. You should do it too. Um, it's £40 a year. I should um, do it. Like, I'll write off this podcast, yeah. <laughs> £40 a year. You'll get an annual notification as a reminder, and you're just notifying the UK government that you're processing personal data. That's it. So that's very important, and it's one that's missed by loads of people. Um, next on the list should be your insurance. Do you have your insurance in place? Do you have the right insurance? Have you spoken to a broker? That shouldn't speaking to a broker shouldn't cost you anything, but you should know what kind of insurance that you have, um, or and what you need to have for your business. Then you get into the kind of document side of stuff. So, if you have a website, do you have terms and conditions? Do you have a privacy policy? These are requirements, and um, you need to have these. Are you planning on selling to customers? Well, if you are, you need to have a customer agreement or terms and conditions that they tick to accept or something like that. Otherwise, you're opening yourself up to so many risks and liabilities um, that can't even begin. Um, and then lastly, you want to have a think about trademarks. Should you be registering a trademark for your business? Should you be protecting your brand name or a product name? That's in the UK, about a four to five month process at the moment. Um, so it takes a while. It doesn't mean you need to have it to be able to start trading. But again, if you're looking to grow and expand your business or you're looking for investment, if you don't have that, it could seriously hold you back. Those are all really important things that I have not really thought about. <laughs> <laughs> you are not yeah, the like, <laughs> Especially the information one. Like I've never thought about that. What about the insurance stuff? So obviously I've heard of like privacy policy, terms and conditions, all that, like that's, that's pretty common, but 
Mm -hmm. about the insurance stuff? And I guess that probably depends on what business you're in, right? Yeah, it does. Um, Three main types to be aware of. Um, First one is professional indemnity. All service providers should have professional indemnity insurance. It's basically if you do something wrong with the services you provide. Um, So you want to have that in place. Public liability insurance, that's your slips, trips and falls. That's if you've got a premises, if you've got a cafe or a shop or something like that. Some online businesses choose to have it. I choose to have it um, just in case inadvertently, you know, I tell someone to do something and they go and fall. Um, A lot of the time it's packaged into your professional indemnity cover anyway, so why not? Um, And then employer's liability. So that's a legal requirement. Um, if you've got employees, but also if you've got contractors. So if you've got somebody working for you and you're just paying them every month and they're not actually employees, you're still required to have employer's liability. Um, Those are the three main ones. Some businesses will need different ones, things like cyber insurance. Um, If you're a very tech-heavy business, you might want to think about. Um, Again, tech-heavy businesses sometimes, you know, want to have kind of business continuity insurance, um insurance that covers you know if there's massive it outages that kind of thing um but the three ones would be public liability professional indemnity and employer's liability like the the big thing i think like obviously there's one there was one thing of being made being made aware of all these different legal challenges that you have to kind of overcome when starting and there's another thing like i I, i'm guessing a lot of people listening are saying, well, I'm just starting my business. One, I don't really need to do it. And secondly, I don't really have the resource to be able to afford all of these things. Like they, they do sound pretty expensive. So I guess like, what's the kind of, I guess, what would you say to that? First of all, I would say you've got the wrong mindset because it's much more expensive to try and deal with this down the line. If you don't deal with a property up front, like for instance, registering with the ICO is 40 pounds versus a 10 grand fine. So it's actually it, it, it's a bit of a false economy to try and to try and not do it now and avoid the cost. Second thing is if you do need a solicitor for some of it, you shouldn't be paying a fortune. You can pay fixed fee, go to a solicitor that offers transparent pricing that works with small businesses, um, and that will serve you better than trying to go to a big named firm. But on top of that, there's a lot of this stuff you can do yourself. Um, like your insurance shouldn't cost that much if you're just starting out. I would shop around for quotes. Um, in terms of your website documentation, I mean, some people pinch them from other websites and make do. Is it perfect? No. Um, is it going to protect them? Depends how good they've been at pinching, to be honest. Um, I, I've, I've seen many business owners, like, you know, based in England and they've taken you know, a US business's terms and conditions and they don't protect them in the slightest, so they may as well have nothing. Um, but if they're relatively sophisticated um, with the, the pinching, then, the, you know, it's, it's a little bit better. Um, what, what business owners can do is pull together documents themselves, maybe pass them to a solicitor for a review rather than drafting them from scratch. That will always save them a bit of money. Um, and then in terms of trademarking, it's a process you can do yourself in the UK. Um, any other country, I would say you definitely need a solicitor because it's very complicated. The UK process is fairly basic. It's fairly step by step. Um, you'd want a solicitor to help you pick the right classes to register in and how to describe your trademark. 
But if you're really, really kind of low on budget, I would definitely say it's probably something you can do by yourself. Obviously, like if anyone's listening, don't listen to me for legal advice because I have no idea what I'm talking about. But the stuff, the <laughs> stuff around, but obviously you can listen to Babs because she's like qualified in this area. But for <laughs> me, like I did for my previous business, I did take terms and conditions from different places across like different websites, obviously like it's competitors really that are a bit more established uh, yeah. to save some time, basically more than anything. Yeah. And for the yeah. trademark, I did actually do that myself. It was fairly easy um, yeah. and it went through after say three, four months, but I'm just, the reason why I say it is because I want to, you know, highlight the point that it can be done by yourself. It's probably not perfect what I did. I don't like, yeah. I'm not recommending any, anything, but I am saying it's probably doable. Um, what I sometimes see clients do is they do it themselves the best they can. And then when there's more money in the pot, they go to a solicitor to fix it. Um, so I spoke to someone today who has her website is kind of like a it's like a social networking platform so in my head that is three particular classes um that she should be registering in um off the top of my head I think it was 9 38 and 42 she'd only registered in nine because that's what seemed to her as the one she should register in now is it perfect no um does it give her some protection yes um, if, if someone comes along and tries to set up something similar, she could still probably enforce it based on that. Uh, it just isn't belt and braces. Um, so you can do exactly what you said. You could run a trademark application process yourself. And then when there's a little bit more money in the pot, go and get it checked. And you can always run another trademark process after. Yeah. Babs, let's talk a bit about, I guess, we talked about it a bit now, but let's talk about intellectual property a bit more because we've had a lot of people on the podcast where they've you know they come from an engineering background doesn't have to be an engineering background could be from anywhere and they do have something you know a, a physical product or even like an, a not physical product and they want to like patent it or you know protect it in some way um extremely important like it's so i think underrated but i mean obviously like you could probably talk about it a bit more than i can how important is intellectual property at the beginning as well before you start doing anything your ip is everything um it's it's everything it's everything you're putting your money and your time and your energy into um as i said trademarks you know you have you have to you have to pay for them but it it's not a ridiculous cost it's a couple hundred quid to get your trademark registered when if you think about it your ip eventually in your business will become a revenue stream of its own um, whether that is an investor wants to invest because of the trademark, the name that you've got is, you know, doing extremely well, or you've patented something, you've patented a, a technology and it's really attracting investment in, um, or, or whether it's somebody wants to buy your, your trademark or your patent because you've done really well with it, that, that it can become a revenue stream in itself. The other thing is I always kind of, liken it to if you're setting up a business without registering your trademark without protecting your copyright and if applicable getting your patent registered it's almost like building a house on rented land you know you don't actually own it and it can get pulled away from you at any moment um i speak to people all the time who say oh i, I don't really care about protecting my business name or trademarking it because i don't care if anybody else uses it and i say well that's not really the point the point is someone else could come along and trademark it and they could stop you using your business name. So that's really important. Um, patents aren't aren't kind of 
applicable to everyone. They're only available for inventions, so things that are completely brand new. But if you have something that is an invention, then you absolutely get it patented because otherwise, you know, you're you're completely left exposed and somebody else can come along and register that patent. You've put all that time and effort and energy and hard work into into protecting it and and growing it, but you've not done the one thing that would have actually protected it in the first place. Um, and then you've got copyright. So copyright is everything you create. So your software, your source code, your materials, your website, that's all your copyright. Um, you can't tend to register that, but you should have it disclaimed up to the hill. So you should have disclaimers on your website, your T's and C's, etc., to make sure everybody knows that it's yours. I know, I know there's like a fairly big cost associated with stuff around, especially patents. Like is, there is, there is like a fairly big cost associated with it, but when your business literally like relies on it, it is the lifeblood of the success and like longevity of your business. It makes a lot of sense to me that that should be like, you know, on top of your priority list in terms of spending. I don't know. What do you think about that? Patents are extremely expensive. Absolutely. They are definitely the most expensive way to protect your IP. But if, but as I said, they won't be available to everyone. So they're going to be available to brand new inventions. And if you don't pay that to protect the brand new invention, then it's no longer a brand new invention and it's no longer yours. So, I mean, you may as well just down tools now. Before me and Babs moved on to horror stories of what happens if basically you don't follow Babs' advice here around, you know, the legal challenges, the legal obstacles that, that are, you know, exist when it comes to starting your own business and also around, you know, maintaining it and, and all of that stuff. Before we move on to the horror stories, I really wanted to ask her around contracts and the importance of contracts because so much of what we do, especially as young founders, is... It's all, you know, around spoken, you know, word of mouth. It's all stuff around, you know, you know, verbal agreements. Um, and that could be with co-founders. It could be with suppliers. It could be with, you know, buyers. It could be from anyone, really. So I really want to talk to, you know, Babs around in which, in which situations would you recommend a contract to exist? And which situations would she suggest that they're not really necessary? Maybe it's too much hassle for what it's actually worth. And so we talk about that now. I'm probably going to give the wrong answer to this according to all other lawyers because all other lawyers just, in a lot of senses, just want the work. But in my opinion, do you need a contract for everything? No, not as a small business owner. If you have met some guy on LinkedIn and you're agreeing to, you know, recommend each other do you, and you'll give, you know, you'll give a 10% commission, do you need a contract for that? No, probably not. Would it be perfect to have one? Yes, absolutely would be perfect to have one because if you're recommending people, you want to make sure you're getting your commission. But if you're a small business owner and you're choosing where to put your money and your time, that's not something I would terribly stress about. What I would 100% have at the top of the contracts list is your client contract. Um, whether you are an e-commerce business selling on a website and it's T's and C's, or whether you are a service provider and you're getting somebody to actually sign a contract that's applicable to their situation, it doesn't matter. It's still your client contract. And that client contract can really make or break your business. Um, particularly if you're working for consumers because you've got all the consumer rights to think about and you have to make sure that you know, you're refunding when you're meant to and not refunding when you don't have to and all of these things. But the client contract is super, super important. You want to think about things like making sure you have a cap on your liability so that if you are ever sued, which you could be, 
you can only be sued up to a certain amount. That's really, really important. And you can stick all that in your contracts. Um, other contracts, things like if a supplier gives you a contract, someone like a web developer or something like that, I would still go through that with a fine tooth comb. There are big pitfalls that you can fall into um, things like, you know, you, you don't actually own the website that you've paid for and things like that. These, these are big problems um, that, again, could cause your business to fold. Or if an investor came along, might be super keen, want to like push a big load of cash into your business, then realizes you don't actually own the website that you've been trading off. So they're not interested anymore. So stuff like this is, is really important. And um, yeah, and then in, and then another important one is anybody you're bringing into the business. So contractors, staff, etc. you really need to make sure that they have signed something which says that they won't pinch your clients or your IP or, you know, your processes, anything like that. Wow. Sounds like a lot of stuff. And then we haven't even talked about GDPR. That's, that's also really important too, right? What, what GDPR? No, it's like really important. So yeah, well, this whole legal, like all the legal stuff that we talked about is really important yeah. for people. So when I'm, when I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things. I'm very much like a lot of this legal stuff is, is new to me. Um, but I mean, as, as I think it is with a lot of other people. So like, yeah, hearing all this stuff is good, but it's at the same time, it's like, wow, I need to do all these things, but it's good to have them like sorted quite early on, I guess. But I would say it's kind of, it, it might sound overwhelming um, just probably because I'm talking about lots of different things at once, but it's just, it's just, it's just a list. So it's just like ICO registration, insurance, website documents, client document, and then all other contracts and then trademarks. Like just make that list and rattle through them. What is GDPR? As in like, I've, I, a lot of people obviously, like it is really important, but as a small business, as like a starting business, is it something that people should be should be like considering? Because obviously data is really, if anything, it's like quite big revenue stream as well for, for, many, for many businesses. Yeah. Like it can be a huge revenue stream for a lot of starting businesses. So, or, you know, the monetization strategy long-term. So with data... Yeah. How does GDPR come into it and how early on should you be thinking about that? Well, the ICO registration that I mentioned should be like immediate. Um, so that's the first thing you need to do for GDPR. But but GDPR, I can kind of call it that just for ease now. Um, since Brexit, it's the UK Data Protection Act 2018, but we'll just call it GDPR because it's easy. Um, it's basically making sure that personal data of EU and UK citizens is protected. And there's certain things that you have to do as part of that. Every business will have a kind of different strategy to GDPR, depending on what they're doing and, and how they operate. But generally speaking, the kind of main headlines are make sure you have a privacy policy. That's really important on your website. Um Make sure that if you have any staff that they've signed a notice that says that you can use their personal data um, and then work out within your organization where data comes from, what you do with it and why you need it. And then I would just document that. I would make sure that the data is you know, properly looked after, kept in encrypted folders. You've got like malware um, on your systems, like all anti-malware stuff, all that kind of stuff. Make sure it's really, really secure. As a small business owner, do you need to do loads? No. And if it's just you, it's not like you're sharing stuff places, which definitely increases the risk. But I mean, there are those few things that I would say. Privacy policy on your website, 
work out where the data is and write that down in case you're ever challenged. And then, yeah, if you're bringing on staff, get them to sign something that says that you can hold their data. So for the yeah. last four minutes, let's talk about horror stories. <laughs> this is the bit that I've been looking forward to the most. So what this is basically what would happen if you must have encountered quite a few of them. Like this is basically what happens yeah. if you don't consider, if you basically don't listen to the last half an hour episode with Babs and consider, you're just like, oh, this is rubbish. I'm not listening to this. This is what will happen to you. <laughs> What's going to happen? Okay, so horror stories. Um, I had a client who went to a different solicitor um, to have their trademark registered. The client runs a, like an online, how do, I, can't, I need to watch about um, confidentiality, but they run a like an online retail platform um, and they were registered, this solicitor had registered their trademark in class 35, which is just like advertising and marketing. It's kind of business admin class. Um, the classes that software should be registered in are 9 and 42. Um, it wasn't registered in that, which meant then somebody tried to come along and register their name. Um, and we had an absolute uphill struggle um, trying to get that registered properly and to fight the current registration because according to the UK Intellectual Property Office, my client didn't have a leg to stand on because they'd registered in the wrong class. Um, and so somebody, and, and their business, I mean, it has now taken in a ton of investment um, and the founders are now quite wealthy men. Um, but that wouldn't have been possible if we'd not managed to fix this because somebody else would have come along and registered that same name in that industry. It's kind of crazy and kind of scary at the same time how easily, yeah. like how a small mistake or how like a small sort of, not even a mistake, just like not really thinking about it can lead to something yeah. like so major down the line. It's huge. It's pretty mental. That, that's a massive one. That's massive because they might not have got their millions of investment, which they got. Um, they might not have got that if, if that trademark hadn't been able to be registered and someone, you know, somebody come along and registered with the exact same name. Um, another one, it's not as big scale, but another one is a client who pinched a contract um, and it was set up for consumers um, and he was selling B2B. So he was selling to businesses, but because he took a contract that was selling to consumers, he then had to give all these rights to his clients. So things like, you know, the ability to, to um, get a refund for no reason after 14 days and things. And he ended up having to give all these refunds because he had it in his T's and C's um, and he shouldn't have had to do that, but he signed a contract that said he would do it. Um, and that, that took them out yeah a few thousand well i think we're going to stop there before i get even more scared <laughs> um, <laughs> no no it's so valuable like that's why i really want to have you on this whole episode has been extremely valuable both for me starting a new business and i i'm guessing for a lot of people either thinking about starting one or you know even further down the line like oh shit i haven't thought about all this stuff this is really important i don't want to you know wait until it's too late and then obviously like you can't really do anything so yeah, I think, I think we'll wrap up there. That was such a good episode. Thank you so much. Like that was amazing that the amount of value that you gave, I'm, I'm sure loads of people will want to, you know, stay in touch with you and stay like, see what you're doing, see what other sort of, you know, if they want to find out more about the stuff that you said in this episode. So how can people, how can people find you? How can people stay in touch? All of that stuff. A couple of ways. Uh, my Instagram handle is Babs Jameson lawyer. If you just type that in, 
Um, and my website is jamesonlaw.legal. So you can get me on either of those. Sweet. Nice one. Yeah. If you are looking for that sort of thing, Babs, like obviously throughout this episode has been extremely knowledgeable. So yeah, do check her out. Thank you so much, Babs, for, for coming on the episode. It was such a, such a pleasure for you, for you to come on, uh, for me to talk to you. I will now, after this episode, go and sort all that stuff out. That is really important. And I'll do that literally right now. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad. If I can share cool. a little bit of knowledge and everybody can get a little bit more protected, then that's what we're here for. Exactly. Exactly. Nice one. Thank you so much again. And I'm sure we'll speak soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. It means so much to you stay to the very end. Um, if you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. And as a way of saying thank you, I will give you a shout out on the next episode. Uh, you have my word on that one. Actually, there's a few there's a few reviews that I haven't left shout outs for because there's just been a big backlog. So if it is in the next episode, it will be in one of the future ones. I promise you, you have my word on that one. You can also find full video episodes on YouTube now. So if you want to see our faces while we're talking, I know a lot of you like watching podcasts on YouTube. You can find all the, you know, the full video episodes on YouTube as well. So the link would be in the description below if you want to subscribe and watch them in the future uh, as a video. So thank you so much again for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next episode.